Happy Mother's Day. Um, I want you to take out your bulletin again. I, I'm not going to talk about what's inside except one little thing. There should be three bulletins that have this little yellow card that says, surprise. Three. I see one. Come on, two more. Two. One more, one more, one more. It's got to be somewhere. It's got to be. Who didn't get a bulletin? <laughs> okay, if you got one of these yellow cards, please come up after service. One of these plants, lovely plants, are for you. And you can have one of those. And really, there's not a third? Not a third? Not a third. Well, then let's do this. Who's the oldest mama in this house? And we'll admit it. Who's the oldest mama? Nola. It's yours, girlfriend. Love it, love it. Okay. I'm so glad that you're here today. I do want to remind you that we're taking beautiful pictures out in the lobby of your family. Even if you don't have your family with you, grab a friend, take a picture. Um, they're turning out great. We're posting, we're, we're blasting social media with all of these pictures. In our world today, cameras are everywhere. In fact, I said this morning, I need a new camera. A new camera. This is actually a phone, but everybody has a camera nowadays. And we take pictures of everything. I see pictures of food. I see pictures of how many have seen my grandbaby? Um, I have over a thousand pictures on my phone, and, and I can't get any more because my memory is full. But I would say 99% of those are of Whitley Ann because I just love her so much. But we take pictures um, in our world. It's just become something that we do. We take pictures. We have our phone next to us. We capture the moment. And I want to talk to you today about snapshot in time. A snapshot in time. Remember when Polaroids were, were out? And you'd have to shake them like this to get them to develop. I love them. But what it did was it just took a little snapshot a little moment of time was captured on film. And today, it is so readily available to us that we're taking pictures and pictures and pictures of our everyday life. Some of those pictures are good and some are not. Nowadays, I say, um, I want to see that picture before it hits social media. In fact, several pictures um, we took today, it's like, I want to see that because you have to be angled a certain way. It's got to be up like this, not down, because you don't want to show things that you don't want people to see. But I always say, I want to see that picture. Yesterday, we were in uh, Seaside, Tony and I were, and the sun came out for literally maybe 45 minutes. And it was so bright. And we were trying to take a picture, and it's like I couldn't keep my eyes open because it was so bright. So I'm like, I'm going to shut them real quick, and then tell me when you're going to push the button. And so I opened them. And it's like, okay, now let me see it, because that is a funky-looking picture if you get it in between with your eyes open and your eyes shut. So I just want to ask you, have you ever taken a bad picture? Have you ever taken a bad picture? I wanted to um, find some pictures that I'm not so proud of. Most of them were in my high school days, but you're not going to be seeing those today. You know, there's just some things you just don't want people to see. 
And when the scrapbook gets pulled out, you know when that boyfriend came over or you're thinking this may be the guy and that scrapbook came out, you're like, oh man, oh man. Some of those pictures we're not very proud of. Social media is full of snapshots that we're taking, bad or good. And the thing is about that is that it doesn't tell a true story. When we take a snapshot, it's not, it's not exactly a true story. I want to share some pictures with you this morning. This first one, go ahead and go to that picture. This is the happiest place on earth. Disneyland, let's hear it for Mickey this morning. You guys are quiet. Isn't that, this is my granddaughter. We had to take her to Disneyland when she was three months old, and it's her parents. But um, with Disney magic, Derek is holding balloons. But I want to tell you that you weren't there when this picture was taken. And I have to tell you what really happened. We had been up since 3 a.m., caught a flight at 6. This was about noonish, probably. Um, Whitley had just thrown up on her mother, and her mother just said, take her. And it's like, let's take a picture by the castle. And um, she was grumpy. Not Whitley, her mama was very grumpy. And I got permission to tell this story. Um, but you would never have known that. Look at that smile. Derek is happy holding balloons, and Whitley's just, I'm at Disneyland. But it doesn't tell the true story of what happened. We captured a moment in time, but it wasn't a truthful moment. The next picture, please. This picture was taken moments before I would say goodbye to my son. In less than 10 minutes of this, don't we look happy? Derek is smiling, Kendra is smiling, we're all smiling. I'm kind of smirking. But in moments, I would be saying goodbye to Derek as we sent him on a bus headed to Afghanistan, on a bus, then a plane to Afghanistan. I didn't know if I would see him again. This picture doesn't tell a true story because my heart was breaking inside even though I had a smile on my face. And I'm just glad. I should have put the next picture when he came home because you could tell that was a true story. I was very happy when he came back. But again, snapshots in time don't always tell the true story. Next picture. I just had to put Whitley in again. <laughs> But I do have to say this. We did this on a Sunday. Oh, I'm wearing the same outfit. That's tacky. <laughs> I didn't put, I should have previewed my pictures or my outfit. Anyways, this was a Sunday afternoon. It was a beautiful afternoon, but Whitley just was not having a good day. And what you can't see here is that in most of the pictures, she had tears in her eyes. She was fussing. She was crying. It just was an overwhelming day for her. But our photographer was so amazing. This lady that does these photos was amazing. And she captured moments. And we got some amazing pictures of Whitley, not just in the family pictures, but of her. But it captured moments of good that we got some great photos. This next one. This is Derek and Kristen and Josh. And what happened this day, this is really drawings, but I had an idea one day to um, take the kids down 
to JCPenney's because we didn't have all these professional photographers that day. You went to Sears or JCPenney's. And then Olin Mills came along, you know, some, uh, some better places. Now we're inundated with some amazing photographers. But I had um, scheduled an appointment at JCPenney's to take the kids down to um, take family pictures for Tony for Father's Day. I know it's what every dad wants is a photograph of their children. But he got exactly what he wanted, probably a tie, because this didn't happen this day. We got all the way parked in the parking garage. The parking garage was way on the other side of the mall. Went to JCPenney's, spent 20 minutes trying to get Joshua Michael Ward to participate in this picture. And it did not happen. After 20 minutes, I said, I'm done. I threatened, I beat, I, I did anything I could bribed to get him to do this. Derek and Kristen were like, we're ready. And how, uh, moms know this, you spend a lot of time getting ready for pictures. You do their hair, you match their outfits, all of those things happen. I was frustrated to say the least. We got all the way to the car back at the parking garage after I told the girl, I said, this, sorry, this isn't going to happen. Sorry for wasting your time. And Josh is like, I'll do it now. It's like, it's too late, buddy. I've already threatened, you know where you're going when we get home. The problems with snapshots is we only see what people want us to see. Most of the time on social media and um, in, even in scrapbooks, we only put the best out there. Most of us only put the best out there. We don't, we don't see the backstory behind these. We don't see the snapshots we're not proud of. They get put in a box, or nowadays we just delete them off our phone, and I do that with Tony. It's like, I want to see that picture, and I'll just delete it if I don't like it. But I want to tell you this. There are moments in our lives that maybe we aren't proud of. And maybe we have them not stored in a box or, or stored on a phone, but they're in our hearts, and they're in our minds. And the biggest mistake we can make is to allow that snapshot in time to become our life. That moment where we made a mistake, that moment that we made a wrong choice, the moment that a snapshot happened, something got captured, and it wasn't what we'd wanted it to be. The enemy wants nothing more than for us to cower in a corner, holding our snapshot, never fulfilling what God has purposed for us. I'm here to tell you today, not just the ladies, but everybody in this room, God has a plan and a purpose for us. But if we let a snapshot in time dictate what we're going to do, we're not going to fulfill that plan and that purpose. Every one of us, at some point or another, have taken a bad picture, have had a bad a moment in time. Romans 3.23 says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I'm here to tell you today that we're not alone in this. In the Bible, there are many people that didn't take good snapshots. The first one being Peter. Go ahead and go to that next slide. Peter, I love Peter. He's one of my favorite Bible characters. I'm sorry, I miss Paul. Sorry, my papers got out of order here. First, we have Paul. Paul, before he became Paul, was Saul, and he was persecuting the church. And then after he had his encounter with God, he became, he has a list of things that he encountered. 
He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. And in the scripture, several times he says he was the chief sinner. So think about those snapshots that he encountered, that Paul encountered, persecutor of the church. And he came to say, I am the chief sinner. I am the most sinful person. And then we have Thomas, who was the doubter. He followed Jesus, but doubted he was real. Doubted that this was the Christ when he saw him after the resurrection. All of these men had time, moments of time that they later regretted. Peter followed Christ, loved Christ. Had some amazing, amazing moments with Christ. But at the time, at a time where he was fearful, at a time where he was confused, in a stressful moment, he denied that he even knew him. And that can happen to us too. In our times of confusion, in our times of stress, in our moments of time where we are fearful, we can deny that we know. David was an adulterer and a murderer. David in, was in a moment of time where he was not where he was supposed to be. And it led to adultery and it led to murder. Not proud moments in their lives. Jacob was the deceiver. He stole his brother's birthright. He stole his brother's blessing that it should have been his blessing. He deceived his father and got his brother's blessing. All had snapshot moments of time where they weren't at their best. And so I just want to say this. Have you had moments in time, snapshots of time, where you aren't proud of? We all have. I'd like us to go to Joshua. Joshua 2. And we're going to talk about somebody today that you may have heard about. And I just want to ask you, when I say the name Rahab, what comes to your mind? I heard it on the front row. Harlot. How would you like that snapshot? How would you like that snapshot being shown throughout the ages? And I'm going to show you in the scripture how this title followed her. In Joshua 2, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. I want to pause there for a moment. It wouldn't have been a surprise for men to be going into Rahab's house. We know what she was known for. But there was something, when these men came into the city of Jericho, there was something about them that was different. And when they showed up at Rahab's house, people noticed. People noticed them. Now let's go on. Verse 3, it says, So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out these men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. 
So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Not only is Rahab known as the harlot, but she's also a pretty good liar here. I mean, she's talking to the king and telling the king that I don't know where these men are. They came, I don't know where they went. But her lies were to protect the spies. And then it goes on, it says, The men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard now the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea, for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as he heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did they remain any more courage in anyone. Because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above, and on earth. This is what's so amazing about Rahab. She was a harlot. That was her, that's her main thing we know her by. But look how much she knew about our God. And she even professed, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. I just want you to get that for a moment because it doesn't matter what the snapshot is, it's what's in the heart. It doesn't matter what people say or think about you, it's what's in your heart. And we're going to see how God honors that. And then it says in verse 12, Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, and my brother, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Verse 14 says, So the men answer her, Our lives for yours. If none of you tell the business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. I admire her boldness to say, look, I won't tell a word. I won't say a word. I won't talk to the king. I won't do anything. Just please save my family. See her heart? It's so contrary to what we think of a harlot as being cold in, in, in that type of business. Her heart was for her family. Her heart was to save her family. Her heart had a moment where she had connected with God somehow, some way. Then in 15, it says, Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was one on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Go to the mountains, let the pursuers meet you, hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you've let us down, unless you bring your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, the blood shall be on his head, 
if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you made us swear. I found this fascinating because this very instruction that the two spies gave Rahab was exactly what we see in the Passover. Keep your family inside. We have the blood on the door. We don't see the blood here, but that scarlet thread which represents the blood of Jesus. And anybody that's in your house will be saved. I don't know about you, but as a mom, I have prayed over and over and over, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's that scarlet thread being placed in the window. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And my house is my kids, my grandbabies, everything. But I just found that that was an amazing thing that we kind of glance over, but that's exactly what happened in the Passover. Let's finish this up. And it says, then she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went to the mountains and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountains, and crossed over. And they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into your hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Church, I just want to tell you today, it does not matter what the snapshot is. It doesn't matter what that moment of time that you are wrestling with that still comes to your mind that the enemy brings up anytime you're trying to go forward with God. It doesn't matter because we have somebody that's on our side. Our God is on our side. And I want us to see the difference that was made in Paul's life. Paul became all of those things. He was a persecutor of the church. He was all of those things. But he was the man that spread the gospel throughout that whole area. If he had stayed in that, in that one snapshot of time as persecutor of the church, wouldn't that stop some of us? That guilt, that shame. He was at the stoning of Stephen. He saw many people die because of him. And if he had stayed in that moment of time, in that snapshot of time, he would never, ever had done all of the things that he had did. But more importantly, he spread the gospel throughout that whole area. Thomas, if he, hadn't, if he had stayed in that unbelief, but yet he, he pursued Jesus, and Jesus came to him and said, touch me. See that I'm real. Touch the scars on my hand. Touch the scars on my side. And he believed again. But what if he had stayed in that moment of disbelief? I think every one of us in this room have had moments, have had snapshots in time where we have not believed. And if we had stayed there, where would we be? Peter, again, Peter is just one of my favorite characters because he does some really stupid things, but he does some amazing things too. He is so real. He loved Jesus. But yet we find after his denial that he walked away. But this is what I wanted to tell you and to reiterate what Dieter said. Jesus knows where we're at. Jesus knows what we're dealing with right now. Jesus knows what moment in time we are stuck in. And he pursues us. Jesus pursued Peter. He asked, where is Peter? Where is he? And he went and found him. And Peter followed him again. David even though all of his mistakes, 
there was consequences to them. His household was kind of in a mess. But we know this of David. He was a man after God's own heart. But if he had stayed in that moment, if he had not repented, if he had not made it right, we may not have this about David. But David truly was a man after God's own heart. He loved God. And despite his failures, despite his mistakes, God used him. God used him in amazing ways. Then we have Jacob, that even though he stole his brother's birthright, he became Israel. He became the father of the 12 tribes. And I just think that's amazing. He had an, a, a wrestling match with God and said, I will not leave this place until you touch me. I will not take this snapshot into the future until you touch me. And God did. God met him there and changed his life forever. I want us to go back to the story of Rahab. If we had just stayed at that moment, Rahab the harlot, who let the spies down in a basket, that wouldn't be enough. But I want us to turn to Joshua 6, beginning in 17. We're kind of starting in the middle. This is when the destruction of Jericho, we know the story. They're marching around. They're marching around Jericho, the Jericho march. And then we come on verse 17. It says, now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house because she hid the messengers that we sent. So here we have this promise that the spies promised her is getting ready to come to pass. And it, it truly is amazing. Let's drop down to 20. It says, so the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpet. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that he felt that it fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him. They took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox, sheep, and donkey with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brother, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and the gold, the vessels of bronze and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers from Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. God did exactly what the spies promised her. But this is what's amazing, and we, I have skipped over it. I have not correlated these two things before. We all know the story. They march, they march, they march around the city seven days. They give a shout, and the walls go down flat. But where did Rahab live? On the walls of the city. We know that from the other scripture, and it even has reference here. So this is what is so amazing, and I want to remind you, God knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly where you are this moment, because what he did, I don't know if it was just Rahab's house standing, 
and everything was flat around it? I don't know, because it says they went into Rahab's house after all the walls were flat, and all of her family was spared. All of her possessions was spared. Everything was spared. They got her out of the city, and then they burned the place, whatever was left. Church, I don't know if you can grasp this, but God knows exactly where you're at. If you're on a wall in Jericho, and it had to have been high because she had a roof that hid the spies that nobody else could see. But he spared that. He spared her and saved her and saved her family. Let's turn to Matthew and see, again, some amazing things. And I don't know if you make all these correlations, but it is pretty cool. In Matthew chapter 1, my title says, The Genealogy of Jesus Christ. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Let's go to verse 5. Salem begat Boaz by Rahab. Let's read it again. Salem begat Boaz by Rahab. Rahab the harlot is the great, great, grandma to David. Church, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what your snapshot looks like. God will use anything. God will use you. He will take those snapshots and moments of time and change him and use them for his glory. Who would have ever thought that David's great-great-grandma was a harlot? And better yet, She's in the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Rahab the harlot is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. If that doesn't give you hope, if that doesn't give you some encouragement this morning, then no matter what you're going through today, God can make something good. He can do something with that. Let's turn to Hebrews 11.31. If you're familiar with your Bible, we know that this is the wall of faith. Only the best of the best are in this. But look who's in there. 1131 says this, by faith, the harlot Rahab. It makes me sad, though. Oh, in, in these scriptures and in the next one, too, all of them say harlot the Rahab, except in the genealogy of Jesus. So it's, it doesn't mean that he takes everything away from us, but he just uses it. He uses it for his glory. This says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. She's in our hall of faith, our wall of faith. James 2.25 also says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? To be justified declares means declared or made righteous in the sight of God. So because of what she did, because she hid those spies, because she, she said a little story to get the king to go another way, in those works, those things that she did justified her and made her right with God. God can take our not-so-proud moments and make something good of it. In John 19.30, we see a snapshot of Jesus. We know all the good he did. We know all of the things he, he did, the miracles and everything. But I want us to look at this snapshot. In John 19.30, it says, it is finished. 
And church, I just want to tell you this. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. When Jesus said, it is finished, it is finished. He conquered sin, death, hell, the grave. He conquered that. He set those free. So we can take these snapshot moments that we're not proud of. We can take these pictures that we keep replaying over and over in our mind and say, it is finished by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am no longer that person. It is finished. When he said it was finished on that cross, it wasn't what they thought it would be. The disciples that were there, kind of afar off, his mother was there. They didn't think that this Jesus was going to die. They didn't think that this is how he was going to save the world. They, it didn't happen the way that they, ha- it, they thought. But again, it was a snapshot in time. They didn't know what was going to happen in three days. They didn't know that their Jesus that they loved and followed was going to be back on the scene in three days, a resurrected Christ. And that changes what it means it is finished when we know that in three days he raised. We see a different perspective of that. But Jesus died to redeem our snapshot moments. He died to set us free from those moments in our life that we have created that we're not proud of. And I just want to give you some promises today as we get ready to close. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Church, God has so much. He has so much planned for us. But if we get caught in our snapshot, if we get caught in a moment of time, we will never fulfill that because we won't see the hope in it. We won't see the future in it. But God has given us a future and a hope, and we can trust him. Just as Rahab trusted, she sat in that house. She could have run. She knew the destruction was coming. She knew what the spies were doing there. She knew destruction was coming to Jericho and could have run, but she didn't. She stayed there. She stayed there in that promise and let God take care of it. Let God fulfill that promise. And we need to do that same thing. We need to remember God has a future and a hope for us. Each one of us, he has a future and a hope. It doesn't matter what we did. It doesn't matter the picture that we're holding in our head. He has a future and a hope for us. The next one is do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. We have to forget. We have to forget the things that are in our mind and in our hearts, those snapshots of time that are keeping us bound, that are keeping us stuck where God doesn't want us to be because God can do a new thing. The only thing is we have to give it to him. We have to lay that, that thing down at his feet and let him begin a new thing in us. This is exciting to me because he says, I will do a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing. It's not anything that you can do. It's not anything that I can do. It's just letting Jesus come in and do the thing that he wants to do in us. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be bound by my snapshots that I'm not proud of. I want to be free in Jesus. I want to be all that he wants me to be. Let him do a new thing in you today. And then another scripture says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you want to become new today? Do you want God to take those moments we're not proud of 
and begin a new thing in us today. I do. Old things have to pass away. We have to let go of the old moments and let God make something new in us. And this is exciting. This is amazing because we can trust him. Just like Rahab did, we can trust him, and he will. We can become Rahab the harlot to Jesus' descendant. I didn't figure out how many great, 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 I don't know. There's, there's a lot in there. But she's a great-grandma to Jesus. So for us today, you and I, it's not the snapshot moment that defines us. It's what you do after those moments. We all make mistakes, and we're going to continue to make mistakes. But what do we do after that? Let's just give it to Jesus. Let him come in, make us new, forgive us. The hardest thing we're going to need to do is delete the old photos. Delete the old mind. Delete the old heart. And let God become new in us today. A new beginning can start today. Whether you're a man or woman, I know this is Mother's Day, and it's like Rahab on Mother's Day. I think her story is amazing. We may not be harlots in this place, but we all have done some pretty ugly things. We all have sinned. But God can make us new. So I want to pray for us this morning. Father God, I pray for each heart in this room today. God, I pray that you would make us new. God, I pray that we would not remember the former things, that we would not keep going over and over and over in our head those snapshots of time where we're not proud of, that we would not allow the enemy to keep bringing them to the forefront, but God, that we would just delete them out of our hearts and minds. God, I pray that you would begin a new work in us today. God, I pray that you would touch each life, make us new, God, I pray that you would take us from those snapshot moments into a beautiful picture of what you would have us to be. God, I pray for those in this room that are having a hard time believing. God, give them faith. Give them faith to trust you. God, Rahab had no reason to trust you other than she'd heard about you. God, we know your works. We know you're faithful. We know all the great things you have done in others' lives, in your word. So we stand upon that today. God, we stand in faith today, believing that you will do what you've promised, that we can trust you, and that we become a new creation today. God, please wipe our memory banks, Lord, of all of those things that just keep going over and over in our hearts. And God, give us a new picture today. Give us a new snapshot today. God, I pray that you would be revealed today in their hearts and in their minds. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we thank you that we can trust you and believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I pray that you would really do that. Take those.